thank you for the just the fact that God we get to be seen by you as pure as snow as white as snow as white as wool because of what your son Jesus Christ did Lord there are uh, so many stains on my soul there are so many things that I've done wrong so many things that I've done that have been against you God, while I was with the world, I was against you. I was in opposition to you. But Lord Jesus, because of what you did, all of those stains are removed. All of those spots are gone. And I am seen without blemish. And that is not because of anything I have done, but because of what you have done. And I praise your name for that. I praise your name for the spirit of worship that is in this place and the, God, the way that you're moving already. I pray that as we look at your word, as it challenges us, Lord, that we would not be intimidated by it, but Lord, we'd be strengthened by it. Now, we'd be challenged by it, and Lord, we would let you do a great work on our hearts as we just open our lives up to you right now. Lord, there are some things in your word that we don't want to hear. There are some things that, 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 that are overlooked sometimes, and it's the hard stuff. It's the difficult stuff, and God, I pray that we wouldn't be a church where we look over the hard stuff. God, but we would embrace the hard stuff. As followers of you, God, we're called to embrace the hard stuff. God, I pray that we just be all about the hard stuff. Lord, it's for your glory that we live. It's for your glory that we look into your word and allow you to challenge us in our hearts. So, Lord, I pray that you're glorified right now. In the name of Jesus, our King, amen. You can be seated. So we've been in a, a, a new series, I guess you would call it. We've been in Mark chapter 2, it's where Keith started, and we kind of talked about, if, as you look through Mark chapter 2, you kind of see some characteristics of the life of a believer. You kind of look through there and you see just this pattern, and it's almost like the life of a believer is what you see there. We, you know, Keith talked to us last week about this dude who was a paralytic, and that's just a fancy way of saying that he couldn't walk and he couldn't move, right? So everybody knows what it means to be paralyzed. This guy was a, was a paralytic. And his buddies brought him to Jesus. Well, they couldn't get in there to Jesus, so they did what they had to, and they dropped him down to the roof. And the way sin was looked at in those days, is that it would have been said about this man that the reason he's a paralytic, the reason he's paralyzed is because either it's something he did in his life, or if he's been this way since birth, it's a result of something his parents did. Uh, it's their sin or his sin that has caused him to be this way. And, and here, Jesus just rocks the boat completely when he addresses the Pharisees. When he, uh, they, they're like, what are you doing? Because Jesus says, you know what I'm going to do? I, I'm going to not just heal this man, but I'm going to forgive him of his sins, which you and I know that that's the bigger deal, right? Being able to walk ain't no big deal. Compared to being forgiven of your sins, being able to walk ain't even a big deal. You ever thought about that? Like, like, can you imagine being paralyzed, somebody being paralyzed, and Jesus walks up to him and says, uh, you can walk. He says, but better yet, your sins are forgiven. Better, better than that. I'll one-up you on the, the just you can walk now. I'll one-up you on that and say, your sins are forgiven. And the Pharisees had a fit. Who is he? How can he forgive sin? He doesn't have that right. He doesn't have that authority. You see the whole purpose of him making that guy get up and walk? Do you see why that was? It was to prove that he absolutely had the authority to forgive sin. It was for that purpose. Why did Jesus do the miracles that he did? It was for the purpose of showing everybody that he was the son of God. 
It was to reinforce the message that he was bringing with his lips, and it was showing everybody who he was. He said, I'm the son of God. They said, no, you aren't. He said, well, you make somebody stand up and walk this paralytic. I mean, like, can you imagine? And as we look at this in the context of a new believer, like, everybody wants that, right? Like, wouldn't everybody like to have whatever ails you? If it's, if it's a broken heart because somebody left you that you loved or they, a, a son or a daughter has gone off and they're, they're doing things they shouldn't be doing or maybe it's something physical. Maybe you've got cancer. Maybe you've got some sort of disease, some ailment. I, I don't know, something that keeps you from being able to walk the way you want to be able to walk or run the way you want to be able to run. I mean, if you were to say, hey, Jesus can fix that. Jesus can make it all better. You would say, yeah, sign me up. Or if it said, hey, you know what? You know what you can have instead of uh, not having any hope for the future, instead of looking at, at, at hell as the future for you, you can have heaven where there's streets of gold and gates of pearl and Jesus is there and he sits on the throne. Like, well, everybody's going to go, yeah, man, I want that. Sign me up. And there are churches almost within shouting distance of this building where they, they, they are saying that week after week, who wants heaven? Stand up. Stand up. Who wants heaven? Raise your hand. You want heaven. Well, who doesn't want heaven, right? Well, who doesn't want that? Everybody wants heaven. Who wants hell? There's very few people that are going to say, yeah, give me hell. I like torment and suffering for all of eternity. Sign me up, man. Where's the list? Now, there, I will admit, there are a few people that will say that. And in my opinion, they're crazy. But, like, the, the, the picture that we just saw at the beginning of Mark chapter 2, where this paralytic gets healed, and he's walking around, and he takes up his mat, and he goes to run a 5K, like, I mean, like, everybody wants that, right? Like, I want that. Jesus can do that. He can forgive me my sins, and I get up, and I can run a 5K. That is amazing. Yes, sign me up. But I think the reason that this next passage comes immediately after that first one is because we talk about what it means to follow Jesus. See, everybody wants the heaven part of Jesus. Everybody wants the good part. They want the forgiveness of sins. They want the, the heaven, the promise of heaven. We want that. But we don't want to say, oh, I want to be a Christ follower too. We don't want to give up anything. We say, well, I just want the good. Don't make me endure any of the tough stuff. I just, just give me the good because I'm all about the good. Man, Kenny, I really like the good stuff. Can I just have that, please? If you would just stand up there on Sunday mornings and just give us the good stuff, I would really go home and I'd be able to swallow my lunch sometimes because sometimes I go home and I can't really swallow my lunch. Just give me the good. No, that's not the, everything that's in the book, man. If you go and you read the book, there's a lot of bad in there too. There are people that proclaim the name of Jesus. There are, there are prophets of God. You look through the Old Testament, man. There are prophets of God that would stand on the rooftops and, and shout from the mountains and say, hey, man, if you don't repent and you don't turn towards God and you don't turn away from your old way, you're going to die and you're going to perish, and they would kill them. They, they, they would just, I mean, that was a, the life of a prophet. Yes, sign me up for that. Yeah, I, I, want, that, I want that job. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, man, it's not just full of the good stuff, Okay. When you follow Jesus, listen to me, students. When you follow Jesus, it's going to be tough. If you talk to anybody that follows Jesus, they will tell you it's going to be tough. Am I right, Sierra? It's going to be tough, ain't it? There are going to be times in your life where it's going to be really, really tough. Not just tough, it's going to be really, really tough. 
And we're going to look at a guy. His name's Levi. Um, he's a tax collector. We're going to look at his life. We're going to talk about him and what he did when he gave up his life as a tax collector. That's what we're going to look at. And, and it wasn't easy. It was not easy. We'll look at, we'll look at why. We'll, we'll talk about it a little bit tonight. I want you to understand, students, adults, listen to me. The reason a lot of people don't follow Jesus is because they know that it's going to be tough. The reason some people follow Jesus is because they just want the good part and they just want the promise of heaven. A real follower of Jesus says, you know, no matter what, no matter whether it's good or bad, I just want Jesus. I'm just going to follow Jesus and do what he says because that's what matters in my life. The good or the bad really doesn't matter. I, I mean, I, I, I love the fact that that's in, that's in the Bible, right? So there's, there's streets of gold and, and there's, there's gates of pearl and all that. And, and one time, sometime we'll go through what it looks like, uh, the new Jerusalem, what that looks like. And I, I'll tell you about that. But that stuff's in there. And there, there's good stuff with coming to Christ. There really is. But there's bad stuff too. I told you on Sunday about people that, that in Jesus' day, when, when they said, I have faith in Christ, that they were signing themselves up, not just for persecution, but for death. And there were people getting baptized day after day after day after day saying, sign me up. Because all that matters is Christ. Not my life or my death. All that matters is Jesus Christ. Baptize me today. How many people do you know that call themselves Christians today would go through that? We go through, you know what? I'm willing to give up everything, even if it means my own life. I just need Jesus, and that's all that really matters. Can you imagine if we said, you know what? You get baptized, you go right out that door, and they're probably going to kill you. How many, people, how many baptisms do you think we'd have on Sunday? Probably not many, right? I think, and I'm waging war against the American church in a lot of ways. I mean, I'm serious about this. Because there's such a, 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 a methodology, a, a mental fixation on easy believism. That it's just, man, you just say, yes, I want Jesus and I want heaven. And yes, I'm, I want to tell you that there's hard stuff to being a Christ follower. And some of you that have signed up on, uh, and said, yes, I am a Christ follower and I want everybody to know it. You know that it's hard. And you know that it's real difficult. And you know that there are people that you love and you care about that walk out the door. And that's reality. It really is. So let's look at Mark chapter 2. We'll begin in verse 13 tonight, I think. Then Jesus went out to the lakeshore again and taught the crowds that were coming to him. Now, he, Jesus liked to teach um, near the water a lot of times. Sometimes he would like, because he, he knew, <laughs> I think this is pretty cool. Um, so Jesus would get on the lakeshore, and he knew that at least nobody would be behind him, right? You know, because unless they were going to walk on the water, they were going to have to be over here, and he'd be here, right? Like, he was the only one walking on the water, so they would have to be over here while he was teaching. So he would teach by the Sea of Galilee. They call it the lake shore here because that's really what the Sea of Galilee really was. And he, he, was, he was in uh, Capernaum is where he was at this particular time. It's kind of like his home base for a lot of the teaching that he did. So it says he goes back out to the lake shore. He did this often. This is something that he did. Sometimes the crowds would get so heavy on him, he'd have to get in a boat and get out on the water. Now, the good thing about him getting out on the water is that, that his voice would project off the water. So he didn't have a Joey Hutto. He just had the water, right? So he, I mean, he like, it would just project off the water. So it was, it was awesome. Uh, you know, 
Jesus is the inventor of the surround sound. You know, like he had it going on. He figured it out. So anyway, so he's back out, on the, out near the water and he's teaching. It says, as he walked along, he saw Levi, the son of Alphaeus, sitting at the tax collectors, at his tax collector's booth. So we got to tell you what a tax collector is, right? So a tax collector was not looked upon very favorably in these days. I'm going to give you a hypothetical situation here. But this is what the, the Jewish people endured. Let's say, for instance, that Canada invades the United States, right? Like those crazy Canadians, uh, Canadians, they're always like, you guys, and they make us start talking like that and all this kind of stuff, right? So the, the crazy Canadians have invaded the United States, and they have taken us over, and they make us all speak French, and we don't really like it very much. And so um, now we have to pay taxes, not to our own government, but now we pay it to the Canadian government, and we don't like that very much, right? Well, a tax collector in that day would have been somebody that says, you know what? I'll sign up with the Canadian government to take up the taxes as long as you give me a little cut of it. Now, how would you like a friend of yours that went and did that? And they went and said, you know what? I'm going to take the money of all my friends and my brothers and sisters, and I'm going to take, take their money, and I'm going to give it to the Canadian government now, and I'm going to keep a little salami slice of it for myself. And they had to have a lot of money in order to be able to sign up for one of these you had to have a lot of money, and then you bought into the tax-collecting business. Then after that, man, you just made a ton of money. And they were extortionists, man. They, I mean, I, I've told some of you this before, that, that if you weren't able to pay your taxes to the, to the Roman government, is who they were reporting to, uh, that, that they would be like, it's okay, you don't have to pay your taxes this week, we'll just take your daughter instead. That'll be your, your payment for your taxes. So they were thugs, and they were brutal, and they, they extorted money from people, and they did whatever it took to make sure that, that people gave what they were supposed to give. They were not nice people. They weren't looked upon favorably in this society. And, I mean, they were considered unclean in a lot of ways, that if, if the tax collector were to touch you or your house, it would just be considered unclean because they had sold themselves out to the enemy. For what reason? Why did they do it? For money. That was it. That sounds like a nice person, right? A really sweet guy. He sold himself out so he could, he could cut all our throats so that he could make a little money and give it to somebody else. That's a really nice guy, right? Well, that's exactly the way they looked at it too. It's like, man, you, you're a sellout to the enemy and you're making money extorting it from us. Well, that ain't real nice and we don't really like you. And that's the way they were looked at. They were looked at as, as extortionists and as, as deep-seated sinners. Notorious sinners is what we talked about um, this past Sunday. That's how they were looked upon, looked at. And, and, and Jesus rolls by this guy named Levi. Now, it, it says Levi in here. Anytime you see the, the list of disciples, you won't ever see Levi mentioned. You'll see Matthew instead. Now, we don't know why Levi's name became Matthew. We don't know if Levi renamed himself in the gospel accounts or, or you know, to his buddies. It could have been such that you know, hey, um, if you used to be a tax collector and now you're not any longer, you probably don't want that history following you around. Are you Levi, Levi the tax collector guy? No, 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 I'm Matthew. You got the wrong dude. You know what I'm saying? Like, that may have been what he did. I don't know that for sure. It could have been also that Jesus had a real knack for renaming people. He, he would, like, take somebody and he would take their name and then he would, like, ah, you're not that person anymore. You're a new creation, so we're going to give you a new name. And, and Matthew literally means gift of God is what it really means. So, um, when, he goes by Matthew, but here in this story we see Levi. That's his original name. And it says his dad's name was Alphaeus. We don't really care about that. Pretty common name. 
But Jesus rolls by the tax collector's booth. He says, follow me and be my disciple. Well, that's a pretty convincing argument, isn't it? Follow me and be my disciple. Huh? I'm sorry, I've been like, come again? I'm going to need a little bit more information than just follow me and be my disciple. I, I, I got a whole business going on here, dude. I got like, I got like coins and bags and stuff, and like my family's back home, and they, they got to have food on the table. I'm going to need a little bit more than just follow me and be my disciple. Wouldn't you? <laughs> Wouldn't you be like, oh, yeah, I, hey, come again. I need a little bit more than that. What's going on here? There's so much going on here, really. The first thing I see is this. I said Jesus knew his heart. Jesus knew his heart. He, he, Jesus could see the hearts of men. When he walked around, he could see their hearts. He knew their hearts. He knew what they were thinking. He knew what was in their heart. And he could identify that. And I believe what he saw in Matthew was a desire to follow him. I believe what he already knew that, that Matthew had a desire in his heart to come and be his disciple. And, and Jesus just simply gave out the invitation verbally what was already in Matthew's heart. All he needed was the words. All Matthew needed, all Levi needed at that point in time was just, he just needed Jesus to say it, man. That's all he needed. And this is what I see in, in a lot of people on Sunday mornings and on Wednesday nights. They have such a desire to follow Jesus. They have such a desire to really be a disciple of Jesus. And then we get up here and we read God's word and we tell them what God has said to them and talk, talk about repentance and we talk about how God is a savior and they just need to hear that word and when they hear that word and they hear the voice of God saying, come and be mine, follow me and they just say yes. They just say yes. It's not like a super duper convincing argument. It's just like they had it in their heart. They've been seeking God. You know what the good thing... This is the good thing about, about God. If you've got a seeking heart for God, if you're truly seeking after God and trying to find God and trying with all your, your might and your understanding to, to, to grasp a hold of God, that He's always right there within arm's reach. And He's always right there available for you to grab hold of Him. And the whole time, He's whispering to you the whole time, follow me, follow me, follow me. That is a beautiful picture of what Christ is. And the same thing that what he did with, with Matthew, this terrible, awful tax collector. Do you know that there, there's, there's more references to the Old Testament in Matthew's gospel than it is in the other three all combined? You know what that tells me? He was a dude that knew the word. He was a dude that knew the Old Testament. He's, he's a guy that, 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 that had been reading, studying... He knew the promise of a Savior to come. He knew that there was going to be a Savior one day that would show up on the scene. And he may have even known some of the characteristics of what that Savior would look like. And I believe that as soon as, as, soon as he got word of, of what was going on in that town, because that was Jesus' home base, and that's where he was based too, I believe that once he got word of this stuff's happening, he was like, I wonder if that's the real deal. I wonder if that's the Savior that I've been reading about all these years. And then one day Jesus comes rolling by and he comes right beside his tax collector booth. And, and Jesus was a Jew, man. He should have looked at Matthew like everybody else did. He should have looked at Levi and said, you're a tax collector, man. You don't love God at all, obviously, because you've sold out all your Jewish friends to the, to the Romans. They're taking all of our money. But that's not the way that Jesus looked at him. That's not the way Jesus looks at all of us. 
No matter what we've done or where we've come from, Jesus doesn't look at us that way. He just looks at us, looks at our heart. If you've got a seeking heart for God, no matter where you've been or what you've done, he just says, follow me. Follow me. Follow me. And what happens? So Levi got up and followed him. Levi got up and followed him. This is where a lot of people fall short on the, the walk with Christ. You agree? There, there, there's some people that like the, the rescuing and be set and free of sins and the, I'm no longer a paralytic anymore. I can go and I can run a 5K. They love that part. But the Matthew part where, they, where he gets up and he leaves everything and he follows him, that's the part where they're like, I don't know if I'm all about that. Let me ask you a question. Do you think that that paralytic, once Jesus healed him, that he was done with Jesus? You think he was like, high five, Jesus, that was good, JC, I appreciate it. I'm going to go run a 5K, I'll catch you later. Do you think that's what happened? Do you think that maybe the, the, the paralytic just said, you know what, that was a cool one-time experience. Now I'm just going to, yeah, I, I'm done with, with telling people about what happened to me. That was just a one, one-time deal. And the people that were there, they saw it, but I'm not going to tell anybody else. If a dude takes me who is a paralytic from birth and, and, and get, tells me to stand up and walk and take my mat and get out of the house, I'm going to hang around him. Would you agree? Wouldn't, wouldn't you be, want to be around that guy? I'd be like, well, you know what? I think I'll see what else he's got. You know what I mean? I at least want to, want to be around this guy for a little bit. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, I used to be on the ground laying there all the time. Now I'm not anymore. There's been a radical transformation in my life. I think I'll stay around that dude. But unfortunately, this, this is the part where Christians say it's just too hard to stay around Jesus. It's just too hard to stay connected to Jesus. It's just too hard to just, just obey Jesus and do what he says. Man, if I was a paralytic and I got up and walked, I'd do whatever that dude said. And that's how radical the transformation is in my life. When Jesus Christ rescues my soul, it is way better than getting up and walking if I'm a paralytic. And I can't stop talking about it. I can't stop following around Jesus. I can't stop loving Jesus and being connected with Jesus because it was a radical transformation in my life. But Kenny, you were only nine years old. You didn't have a whole lot of sin. You didn't have all these things that were weighing in on you and all these things that you'd done in your past that you had to let go and all this kind of garbage. No, but there was a transformation in my life. And no, it didn't matter who else knows it. I know that it happened. Are there times when I forget? Absolutely. But I tell you what, it's not a long time before I remember once I forget. If I forget for a day or two and I say, man, I, I, you know, I'm doing my own thing and I'm being me for a little bit and forget about what God has done for me, it's not very long before I say, man, I can't help but remember what Jesus did for me. I can't help but be stay connected to him and pray to him and try to understand more about him. I just want to be around him. I want to learn from him. But it was tough for old Levi. It wasn't easy. I told you that they made a ton of money. They really did. They made, they made a living that way, you know? I mean, this was his livelihood. It's not like he was going to go run out and, and get another job real quick. Once he left that tax collector's booth, when he said, I'm going to get up and I'm just going to follow him, 
I mean, I mean, that's a huge thing because there would have been somebody else to slide right back in his slot and say, hey, I know, I'll make a lot of money off your tax collector booth. I'll sit down here and take everybody's money because there's a lot of money to be made. So when it, Luke even says he left everything. Luke's gospel even throws in there he left everything when Levi got up and left his tax collector's booth that day. No knowledge, no concept of what was going to happen. Man, am I going to be able to, to eat anything tomorrow? Am I going to have a place to sleep tomorrow? What's going to happen to tomorrow? I, it didn't matter. It didn't matter. When God called me to ministry, God's called some of you to ministry. I don't know who. You know who you are. God knows who you are. I didn't know. I didn't know what that looked like. I didn't know if I'd be able to keep my job, if I was supposed to get a new job, if I was supposed to go and be in Zimbabwe somewhere and, and eat whatever I found on the ground. I didn't know. But I knew this. I knew this. I wanted to be close to Jesus, and I wanted to obey Jesus. And it, the other stuff didn't really matter. I didn't care about the other stuff. And people that talked to me around that time when I was experiencing my call that God had put on my life, they can tell you, I did not care about anything else. All that mattered was following Jesus. All that mattered was following Jesus. Levi left everything that day. and says, I'm just going to be with Jesus. That's all that really matters. So when people stand up and profess Christ as Lord and Savior, and they say, man, I, I want to be a Christ follower. I want you to understand the gravity of that. And, and the gravity is that it may cost you dearly. It may cost you, like, all your earthly possessions. It may, may cost you everything. But when Jesus calls you to follow him and you make that commitment, you're saying yes to Jesus and nothing else matters. Nothing else matters. So he got up and he followed him. Look what Levi does. It sounds like a disciple, a follower of Jesus. Later, Levi invited Jesus and his disciples to his home as dinner guests. Man, he just wants to sit down and eat with them. He just wants to be close to Jesus. Well, he don't have a whole lot of friends. Along with many tax collectors and other disputed, dis, disreputable sinners, there are many people of this kind among Jesus' followers. He didn't have a whole lot of friends that were cool people. He didn't have a whole lot of very righteous people. He didn't have a lot of Pharisee friends. He, he, didn't, he didn't have any of those people around. You know who invited to come over to his house? It was the friends that he had. And, and, and he just wanted them to see what he had seen. And I guarantee you that man that was a paralytic that got up and walked, I guarantee he had friends too. And he probably wanted them to know what he had experienced. And he probably wanted to share Jesus with them too. As followers of Jesus, this is what it looks like. You just bring people that you know around Jesus and say, this is what I experienced with this guy. I want you to get a taste of it. And for some of us, that looks like bringing somebody to church. And I get that. And that's cool. But it's so much more than that, man. It's so much more than that. When, when, when your friends get mad at you, when you're bickering and whatever, and you just show the light of Jesus, and, and that's when they recognize there's something different. 
You think Levi's friends recognized that there was something different in him? They probably said, hey, buddy, you just left your whole livelihood back there on the street. And you want us to come eat with you? You may not even have any money anymore. He said, I don't know. It didn't, that, that's not what really matters. What matters is that Jesus is at my house, and I really want you to come meet him. So maybe you'll experience what I experienced. That's pretty cool, isn't it? That's exactly what was going on here. You know where Jesus wanted to be? I told you this Sunday. I'll tell you again. You know where Jesus wanted to be? He wanted to be where people were that wanted to be with him. People that wanted to be with Jesus, Jesus wanted to be with those people. So that's what he did. He would go eat with them, and that's what he did here. So let's go on and look the next couple of verses. But when the teachers, oh boy, of the religious law, who were the Pharisees, saw him eating with tax collectors and other sinners, they asked his disciples, why does he eat with such scum? Why does, why does he do that? Why is he eating with those people? They're unclean, man. They're not nice. They don't, they don't have a relationship with God. They don't know what it means to have a relationship with God. They don't know what it means to be righteous. Jesus answers that question. When Jesus heard this, he told them, healthy people don't need a doctor. Sick people do. I have come to call those who think they're I come to call not those who think they are righteous, but those who know they are sinners. You know who Jesus didn't want to be around? The people that were self-righteous. The people that thought they had it all figured out. The people that that thought that, man, I'm I'm good with God. I've checked all the boxes, and i got a right relationship with God. And Jesus says, you're so messed up, you don't even understand what a relationship with God is. He says, I'm coming for the people that feel like they're worthless. They, they feel like there's nothing righteous within them. The, the people that feel like they've been left out, cast aside, and they got no place. And they certainly have no place in the kingdom of God. That's the people I came to save. See, you religious leaders of the day, you don't, you don't understand what it's really like. You've never been in that place to feel like you're worthless, to feel like you've got no place in the kingdom of God. You've always thought that you have. It bothers me. Listen, it really bothers me. People who don't, don't get broken over their sin. The people that, 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 that like, man, I don't really have a whole bunch of sin in my life. You sinned 45 times on the road out there. Don't tell me you didn't. And, and you don't ever repent. And you don't ever say, God, I'm sorry. And you don't ever, you don't ever get broken over your sin. It, I mean, I, and not everybody's a crier. I'm not saying you got to cry, but I'm telling you, when, when God breaks me over my sinful condition and I remember all the things that I've done in the past 20 minutes that are against God, it breaks me down. It really does. If it doesn't ever break you down, if it never bothers you, the, the fact that, 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 that there are things in you that, that don't please God, that there are things that are against God, if you just see yourself as a righteous person, you might want to look closely at this passage and find out which one you're more like. If it never breaks you down because of your sin, you might want to take a close look at yourself and say, am I, am I self-righteous? Because if I am, then I'm not like, I'm like, like the people that Jesus came to save. 
I'll tell you from my own experience, man, who I am. I, I get broken, all right? And I'm a crier, and I'll leave a pool of tears on the floor. It breaks me down. It really does. All the things that run through my head that I have to shush out of there, all, all the, the, the stuff that, that, that just comes against me and all the anger and the bitterness I have at work and all that kind of garbage, it really breaks me down. There was, there was one time we were going on a mission trip. I'm going to tell you how awful I am. We were going on a mission trip to Haiti, and I had said, well, the deadline was, was this, and, and, and you can't sign up beyond this point, and blah, blah, blah. And, and there was this girl, and she came to me, and she said, I really want to go. I, I really want to go to Haiti. I'll do whatever it takes. I'll pay money today. I'll sign whatever forms you want. I'll do whatever it takes just so I can go. And I, I really kind of lashed out at her. And I was like, you knew the date was this. You knew this was the cutoff. And, and now you're coming to me, and it's two days late. And, and I don't know if I can do it. It's going to cause me a whole bunch of work to, to get it done. God broke me in two over that. It literally made me sick to my stomach. I had to go and get alone immediately after that had happened and repent and turn back towards God and say, God, I am so sorry for the despicable human being I am right now. I should have approached that situation with grace and said, you know what? As a Christ follower, I'll do whatever it takes so that you can go on this trip. And God broke me in two over that little, it seemingly little thing. I mean, she missed the deadline, right? Do you ever get broken? Do you ever count the cost of following Jesus? Do you ever look at it and say, man, am I willing to give up everything to follow Jesus? Or do I just want the good stuff? I just want the heavenly stuff. I just want the miracles of Jesus. That's really what I want. It's a scale, man. It's both. It's not, it's not one or the other. It's, it's both. So when you look at that, that guy that was healed of his paralysis... You also need to look at Matthew, Levi, who gave up everything that he had with no, no consideration for what it would, would, would even cost him in the future, man, with, with no idea what, what he would have or what he wouldn't have. He said, I just want to follow Jesus. And immediately after he did that, he wanted his friends to meet Jesus. And Jesus addresses the Pharisees. He said, if you're self-righteous, you're not who I came to save. It's the people who recognize that they're not righteous. Let me pray. Father, thank you for coming for such an awful wretch that I am. Lord, for coming for me, for calling me out, for, for looking at my heart and, and seeing that I had a seeking heart for you and just giving the invitation to follow you. Lord, there are so many days when it is so hard and I exhaust myself. God, but it is so good to have the promise of just being yours. Lord, I know that there are a lot of places Lord, that aren't talking about the hard side of following Jesus. I just pray that we'd be a people that understand what it really means. God, and to be broken over our sin. Lord, we know that you, you came to seek and save the lost and you came to, to break us, Lord, and I just pray that we'd be broken. Lord, um, all the things that, that I do on a daily basis, I need to recognize that there is nothing righteous within me, that I can only fall 
at the foot of the cross and ask God for forgiveness. And because of that, Lord, you are faithful to forgive me and wash me clean and restore me and remind me that, that God, what you did on the cross, it paid the, the penalty for my sin, past, present, and future. I pray that we wouldn't be a self-righteous people. I think we've got it all figured out. I pray that we'd be a broken people. People with a humble heart that can just come to you and say, Lord, we need you because we're such wretched sinners. Lord, I pray that that's the kind of people we are. Lord, thank you for this reminder tonight. Thank you for drawing us to you. God, if there's somebody here that doesn't know you, I pray that they would come to know you tonight. God, not just with the promise of heaven, but with the promise of, of being one of your disciples, one of your followers, no matter what the cost. The call of the cross of your son Jesus Christ is a call to die. Help us to recognize the seriousness, the gravity of that call. Lord, we love you. Thank you, Father, for what you have shown us tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. You can all stand.